Great day yesterday. Good weather. Good baseball. Cubs oh. lose. Cubs win. Baseball. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's my life. But we got another life. We're, we got a bro show here. Shall I give yeah. him the intro? Yeah, give him the intro. Give Let him know what it's all about. Yeah. All right. We, we talk about four things every Saturday morning around this time. And one of those things is an animal story. We have a season. This is the, what, the 12th season of mm. our show. We call it the season of the meerkat. So we have a meerkat story. Yes. Yep. Secondarily, we have a word we ran into while we were looking for that story and other stories. And we talk about that. Then last, almost last, we have what's called two takes. This is mm. my brother, John. That's John. Say it, say it, John. Who are you? I'm a podcasting personality. Oh, your name is John. Oh, wait a minute. My name? Oh, I, I got too yeah. far away with, with, with my, you know, with, with my title. Okay. Uh, yeah, my name's John. I'm Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> so we have two takes on some, some topic of import or something that caught our fancy that week. Last but not least, we have two groaners. Bad jokes that we tell. John tells them. I have to guess what the answer is. They're like riddles. Yeah. I, have to, I, have to, I have to respond with the punchline or something, right? Okay. So anyway, good. that's that, that's the deal. That's what we do every week. Hey, hey, you you. Uh, well, how do how do you find this show? Where where, where it's, is it? Excellent the- question. Excellent question. There's this thing called the URL, Universal Resource Locator. It starts mm. with the www usually. Well, oh. ours is www.bro.show. Yeah. No mm. .com. No .net. None of that stuff. Bro wow. show. That's all you need to put in there. You put that in there, you'll see our stuff. Big subscribe button. Hit the button. No risk. You're only going to receive one email a week, and that is going to be notification when the show's up and ready to roll. Yep. So you can listen. That's it. Pretty simple, huh? Sounds pretty simple to me. Are you going to be wearing anything above the above the belt? Below the neck? I am. I am. I'm wearing okay. the one of the well, it's a one-off. It's a, it's a one-of-a-kind meerkat T-shirt. Season of meerkat. Yeah, yeah. And you got the other one, so. Yeah, and I'm gonna. That's a short. That's exactly what I'm wearing. I'm wearing the baseball what? meerkats. Yeah, the ones with the bats. The ones that get wow. ready for batting practice. Yeah, meerkats at yeah. bat. Oh yeah, man, meerkats at bat. Those are some tasty T-shirts. Big shout out to Donna down at the post office. She noticed my uh, meerkat T-shirt, made a big deal out of it. And you talked to someone, was it last night, about the show? Yeah. Dayport. Donna? Yeah. That was Donna, I God. think. No, oh. that wasn't Donna. That Tiffany. was uh, Tiffany. Tiffany. Yeah, Tiffany. Yeah. Wow. Okay, well, you know, I hey, don't hey. want to say anything. Don't want to say anything, but I have noticed that we're attracting female listeners, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a yeah. reason. Yeah, let's not and I don't it. think it's Most our thing. animalism either. I don't think it's our attraction. It's no? the topics that work. Yeah. Yeah, we got one this week, that's for sure. Yeah, okay. we sure do. And you know what? We, also we have a sponsor, have a sponsor. don't we? We have yeah. a, a sponsor. Our sponsor is the Animal Legal Defense Fund. Their mission is to protect the lives and advance the interest of those critters out there through their the legal system. They do this by filing high-impact lawsuits to protect animals, providing free legal advice, training prosecutors in the area of animal uh, law, 
and then also fighting to make sure that we could good animal laws legislation to protect these animals and it's all good stuff and i'll tell you they're in the news all the time i just read an article on may 3rd where they're offering a reward to try to find some some uh criminals down in texas that were apparently had mutilated some cows so i mean five thousand bucks so they're everywhere they're out there doing their thing making sure that animals are protected and that and you know what they've also got swag oh gosh you know i almost forgot about the swag yeah Yeah. a little forgetful this morning the swag yeah they've got great t-shirts john got me one of those t-shirts the one you know empty the tanks or drain the tanks or something it's for orcas it's to protect orcas and it's it's a beautiful t-shirt they do a great job uh they've got they use the same t-shirt printer that we use they use bonfire and the cool thing about bonfire is that they make a quality t-shirt and quality mugs and a few other pieces of merch but the big thing is if you want to you can have all this all the proceeds from the sales of your t-shirts and stuff go to a charity and uh they even reduce their fees the bonfire reduces their fees if you give to a charity so we do that and of course we give our money to the animal legal defense fund so when we sell a t-shirt a meerkat t-shirt like the ones we're wearing that money goes to the animal legal defense fund and it's a good deal it's a good thing we've got six different meerkat t-shirts not just meerkats at bat and uh, you can and we got the coffee mugs to match them so you can do you get a match set and it's not nice. that much money, but but the money that it does cost goes to the to the uh, Animal Legal Defense Fund. They're a good group, and oh, we're good. proud yeah. to have them as a sponsor, even though they don't know there are. They don't know. We receive no money. This is what you call squeaky clean. No conflicts of interest here. No receiving None. money under the table or above the table. No, we don't do. There's that. no table, in fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it we're cutting costs yeah there's no cover up here there's no covering no. the money there's no we're there's covering nothing. anything we're barely covered if you're really wrong yeah. about it. <laughs> we got our t-shirts that's about it we're, yeah we've never really made it that far out out the out of the pandemic you know we're still you, in you, that you, you, you notice we don't describe mode. anything else that we're wearing no why no because there is nothing, nothing to describe <laughs> in more ways than one okay so Oh, not good. Ooh, not good. All right, so hey, let's, listen, let's, we got a, yeah. we got an animal story here, don't we? We have a meerkat story, John. It's funny you should mention yeah. this, but and this takes us all the way over to London. And people think, yes. well, we know what's going on in London, right? Their their coronation of the king just a half hour ago. No, no, that's not really the big story. The big story no. is we had some mischief. We had a fire in a zoo over there. Give us the deets, John. Well, I'll tell you, this is the dark day in meerkat history. Back when, uh, December 23rd, 2017, where in the London Zoo, what took place was four meerkats in an aardvark died in a fire. And the blaze took place about 6 a.m. that morning in a special section of the zoo called the Animal Adventure Section that included the petting zoo, the nearby cafe, and the gift shop. Well, Mm. the London Fire Brigade, they actually arrived on the scene, all 70 firemen, 10 vehicles, and they Ooh. were able to put the fire out in about, uh, took them about two hours. Wow. So, um, bad. They, uh, and the thing is that they realized that the zoo's uh, officials originally considered the meerkats that uh, were 
killed, uh, brothers, Robbie, Norman, Billy, and Nigel, they said Nigel. originally they were unaccounted for. Wow. Counted. What does that mean? Hmm. Hmm. And then after an extensive check through the, the whole zoo, they announced they assumed that those meerkats died during the fire. So uh, the, the, the aardvark named uh, Misha died of smoke inhalation, but they never were able to find the meerkats. Now, the other thing that's rather mysterious about this whole incident is the fact that they were never able to determine what caused the fire. About two huh. months later, they said, we don't know what happened. We had the fire. Another little piece of information oh. that I gathered was that they delayed the inventory. The inventory was supposed to take place at the end of the year. So here we are towards the end of the year. Meerkats are missing here. We don't take the inventory. In fact, they delay the inventory for about a, a month. Now, I, I ended up huh. uh, doing an extensive uh, review of this by... Uh, viewing video interviews of the zoo personnel and the firemen, taking a close look at the map, and also determining one possibility lied in the fact that they might have, might have escaped. But then I find out uh. by reading some further that the only animals that ever escape the London Zoo are birds. They fly away. Oh, sure they do. <laughs> yeah. So it so it, it it just makes one think. Here we've got a petting zoo. We've got an animal. Give us what makes this animal so wonderful. Why do people like it? And you probably know a little bit more about what we've learned. They're you know yeah. cuddly, and you take a look at them. They stand up, and they just are very adorable. And my yeah. feeling is that I think that what's happened here is that these meerkats didn't die. No, I don't I think, think they did that, either. Yeah. you have any I, conjecture that you've perhaps thought about as to what might yeah. happen to these wonderful I, I've thought I've thought quite a bit about this. First of all, I've watched a lot of meerkat videos. You don't watch much video, but I do like to watch those meerkat videos. And one thing about meerkats, they are very smart and very resourceful. And I'm not just saying that because they're, you know, the animal this season. They they do. They they are way above average intelligence not just for an animal but they're supposed to be like up there with you know in a lot of ways with human beings and lions and stuff who are also very smart but tigers so here's the deal john i think what happened is uh number one either they got away which in videotapes you it's hard to keep a good meerkat down uh and yeah. they like to they like to get up to high ground that's one of their instincts mm. is when there's danger or trouble or bad vibes in the air they know they're very, very alert, and they're known for the sentry duty. They are very good at keeping watch on things. And to do that, they get up in a tree. They, they can climb a tree. Look at these split. They don't look like tree climbers, but they can do it. So, Ooh. yeah, that's pretty yeah, maybe, exciting. So yeah, I think I they like got this. up high, John. I think they got up high and made their way out. And I'm sure, here's the one thing I'm real sure of. I'm sure they tried to save that aardvark and other animals. But aardvarks are very, very... Well, they're a little on the slow side, so I think yeah. they just couldn't wake the guy. And I'm sure they tried to take as many animals with them, but they are out and about in London. I've heard they really like Chinese food, so I think they're hanging out in Chinatown somewhere. Maybe in the what do they call the the transit system? There, they might be down in the tunnels somewhere. I mean, yeah, they like the I'm sure at night. Maybe they, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got you they know, got it made. 
you know, and plus, I'm sure they could get plenty of work as security guards. The other thing to think about here is that I did take a look at the map, and when it comes to leaving, there was an exit, an entrance exit to the zoo located very, very near uh, where the fire took place. So their actual amount of uh, distance they would have to go in order to leave the zoo. So perhaps the idea of escaping is something that ought to be seriously considered. I would like to think, based upon the fact that there is no evidence that they were part of the fire, that they're out None. out None. in some way. I, uh, you yeah. know, I think your idea of escape is probably better than my theory that perhaps they were meerkat napped um, or rescued. That's another way to look at it. I think maybe yeah. some zookeepers got got four got his hands full of yeah. meerkats. Inside <laughs> I wouldn't want to be in London. Yeah, I would not want to be one of those people who has four meerkats in their household. That would be insane. Mm. A word. Our word is body image. What is it's actually body two image? words, but it's used. It's used as one yes. word. So it is used. Yeah. And if you we go our, our criteria for put, uh, doing this is if they're in the in the dictionary dot com, we can we yeah. go for it. Yeah, and we the feel definition very is an intellectual idealized image of what one's body or or what it should be like is sometimes misconceived and it can be misconceived. And so the idea yeah. is that what your body actually looks like, what it actually, and what you perceive it, it might be two different things. And this can be, mm. the, the extreme of that could be an illness such as uh, anorexia. So, yeah. Um, yeah. and so the example, why don't you read the example you got? Oh, there. this example, this is a great example. And this is great foreshadowing of great things to come. I'll try, I'll try not to say what, what this is, but who said it, but here it is. In the 50s, the body image for women was round and curvy, and I was this skinny little thing, very small, and I wanted to be round and curvy, the way round and curvy women today want to be skinny things. Who said that? I think the lady we're going to be discussing, and that lady's name is Judy Bloom. Bloom. Yeah. Wow. I dig Judy, so, by the way. Oh, I really do. Very, very good. Mm-hmm. So, I think we got, got to two see takes. the movie. You got to see yeah. the movie, didn't you? Yes. Well, in fact, uh, so our two takes is about Judy Bloom, and Judy Bloom has come on the forefront the last year. But it's and what, how I found out about it? Well, a friend of mine named Trisha Gonzalez offered me an opportunity to go see a preview of a movie, and that movie's name was "Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret." And I went to see it, and I was amazed at the movie. It was a coming-of-age movie, very good, and uh, and it's gotten good reviews since then. But it made me think about who is this woman who wrote the book upon which this movie is is based. And what we learned is that the it is based upon a documentary. Uh, there is a woman out there, Judy Bloom, and there was mm. actually a documentary also done at the same time. So all of a sudden, yeah. April. These two things kind of take place. So who is Judy Bloom? Let's just give you a few deets on her. Judy is an 85-year-old American writer of children's, young adult, and adult fiction. And she started writing back in 1959. She's had over 25 novels, which have sold over 82 million. I've read 82, 85, 90. I don't know how they keep track of it all. In various languages. Me either. And I, I, so what's happening is, and her books have actually uh, ring true with respect to young women, 
uh, teenage uh, girls read these books because they give them give her comfort. Now, Judy was born and raised in uh, New Jersey, typical childhood, middle class family, daughter of a homemaker and also a dentist, had a brother. Parents are Jewish. And as a youth, she was always, you know, she had many life experiences that typical teenagers have. And this provided the basis for her books. And the other thing is what she liked to do is she constantly was thinking about stories. Stories kept on popping in her head. And little did she know that that creativity she had as a child thinking up these stories would later blossom into a career as a writer. When she um, married her uh, college sweetheart at uh, New York University, graduated Mm -hmm. uh, with a degree in education. She had a couple kids and was a homemaker, but homemaker wasn't enough for her. She had taken a continuing education course. And in that in that course, she learned a little bit about uh, creative writing. And so she decided to write And like a typical writer. She had a fair amount of rejection to start out with. But by like 1969, 70, she had her first novel published. And uh, the novel that the movie's based upon, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, was the big splash for, for her in mm. terms of uh, creating, a, you know, a book that uh, that made her well known. And yeah. it's the experiences of a little girl named Margaret, 11 year old, who's suffering a myriad of problems. The one that's concentrated at the beginning is the fact that she's going from New York City, where she lived, and going to be moving into the suburbs of New Jersey. Yeah. So this started a uh, something with respect to uh, the, the books that she does. And the topics, maybe you could go over a little bit of some of the things that she talks about and how important they are and why well, it's these, so popular. She talks, she talks about all the things that plague young children starting, just starting to grow up. And the, the unique thing about her point of view on this is she really zeroes in on the young girls and what they're going through. She doesn't leave anyone out, but she this is her specialty. And, you know, she talks out loud about things that are going through kids' head. And she does this very well because she has total recall of everything that's happened to her since she was in the third grade. So she remembers every feeling, every almost every word. You know, she's I guess she's that good at it. And in, in this, you know, Judy Bloom Forever documentary that I watched, she she, you know, spits this stuff out pretty quick. And she has this uncanny ability to relate to kids. And I read, you know, the sample of her book, Margaret. Yeah. And uh, wow. And you've seen the movie. She has this very direct connection with kids that age and older. You know, she's just very good at this sort of stuff. And she's excellent in this documentary, wouldn't you say, John? Very, very. Yes, relatable. I mean, she's spontaneous. Yeah. She, she's friendly. She's got a soft way of speaking. Uh, you know, so there's no sensationalism here. It's like it's a one-on-one no. practically. It's the way she now. If, talks if you to. if you if you were to read about her, you would think she's this crazy banned book lady who's just out of control. You know, but she's not that way at all. No. And a lot of this stuff, she, they, a big deal was made out of her books. And, you know, some of these items that people talk, that pin on her, she maybe had one sentence about in the book, right. but she framed it so perfectly. You know, she talks about all the things, John, we grew up knew nothing, knowing nothing about because we were raised in a family right. of boys. So, right. you know, the big, what are the big questions? They're, they, aren't re- they aren't really that different than ours. 
but but they are different. They're they're totally different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why aren't my breasts coming in? You know, when am I going to have my period? You know, and all of the, all the uh, fourteen and all the other girls have had it. I'm going to need to fake it, and which is something Judy did. She 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 put a sensory napkin in her underwear when she didn't even need one because she wanted to be like the other girls, or she didn't want the girls to find out that blah 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 blah. But she just yeah. talks about all this stuff in a very disarming kind of natural way. You know, the way that it, it you actually think about it when you're a little girl having these problems. You know, we had other problems. You know, I don't need to shave, but I'm I'm going to pretend like I do anyway. You know, the guys do yeah. that, you know, and junk like that. So, yeah. And, and some of the other ones that are not necessarily for just girls, but bullying. And oh. my favorite is sibling rivalry. Oh, wow. I like that one. Wow. You do. That's one of your favorites. <laughs> wow. You were really good at it, too, by the way. Yeah, I, I kind of really I, I participated in that in a very forceful way. That's for sure. Oh, OK, well, I, I well, participated in I didn't even know it. You know, you, <laughs> I would find out afterwards that, that was a competition. Yeah, you were you were you were victimized. I'm afraid. Sorry about that. That's OK. I don't care. I didn't hey, care that. I don't care now, really. But it's like when she talks, it's without a judgment tone. I mean, it, it isn't yeah. like she's talking down at you. And um, I, I think the quote I like the best about her books, somebody said, her books are so timely that they've become timeless. Yeah. That tells the story yeah. because the topics you yeah. discuss, you know, it might be 70s when she wrote the book and you look around, but the th- same things are taking place. And that's what I think where the sales become so high is because she's constantly having a new audience. And, you know, well, you know, they, they don't have it. They're not like modern books. You know, uh, there are no people of color in her books. I don't think uh, I've been told I haven't read all of her books yet, yeah. but you know, that's one feature of them. Uh, they're middle class. You know, uh, these are, are, you know, kids in, in, in poverty or anything like that. You know, it's just, per, it, but, if you watch this documentary, a lot of the people who got the most relief from her are people of mixed heritage, people of color, all kinds of different people. If you are a young girl yep. and you're growing up, no matter where you are, under what circumstances, she is able to reach you for some reason. And you would not believe the stories. It's on Amazon. If you have an Amazon subscription, you'll be able to watch it for free. And it, right. it's the only way you can watch it. You can't pay to watch yes. it. It's it, it's unusual in that you will see on camera the young girls fully grown and with families of their own who talk about how Judy helped them through the bad times, how they wrote to her and she wrote back. And it's amazing. Ama- yeah, I won't spoil all the good stuff in it, but if you have Amazon, watch this documentary. It's an hour and a half. It's worth every, every minute you spend in it. You will enjoy yourself. That's it. That's all I got, John. Well, I'll tell you uh, just a little bit as to why. First thing is, Judy has got innumerable awards that she's had the American Library Association. Mostly the industry, the book industry, has been very favorable to her in terms of re- awarding her. But this year, 2023, she was 23. She was named one of the 100 most influential people in the world by Time Magazine. They do this every year since 1999. And Judy, at the age of 85, is the oldest person on this list. And she's a rookie. You can be on this list as many times. So why? Why do we have this year? And I think the documentary and the movie are part of it. 
But those are the things that have kind of brought her to the forefront. And, it, and some of the things that have made this happen are just because of what's going on in our world today. I mean, yeah, we know bannings. that we're in it. Yeah, the banning of the books is one thing. The fact is that we've opened up a new area with respect to the, the kids being. Uh, uh, we talk more about trans, uh, you know, the gender issue. Yeah, is coming yeah. to the forefront, which brings a whole nother segment of uh, of youth population, which is experiencing problems, and that's that's part of it. On yeah. the more specific side, we have though the fact that. Judy was not really interested in a movie being made or a documentary. And it's amazing that the producer and directors of the documentary, one of them who did it was near and dear in terms of the books that she did and actually got an audio of its me uh, of one of her books. And during mm -hmm. a road trip, started listening to it. And it was Judy's voice. She then connected the voice and said, boy, that woman's got a very pleasant voice in why don't we just do a documentary on it? So yep. it's, it's a great story, I think, in terms of how come it was, it actually came to, came to be. That's, that was part of it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, she's, she's so. an important person in, in the world today. And this is a person who's already been through one era of book bannings and now she's going yes. through her second and she's, by the way, she's not putting up with it. She's pretty, she's pretty upset about it. That the fact that we're doing this again and uh, she's vociferous, she's vocal, she's, She's ready to tell you what's what. And I'll tell you, she has so much credibility, John, without lifting a finger. And she doesn't need any publicity. She doesn't need a movie. She doesn't need any of that stuff. She is the book that gets passed around the camp, camp uh, summer camp cabin that everyone yes. reads. So, yeah, right. same copy. It's been there for 70 years or whatever, or 50 years. Doesn't matter. She is timeless, like you said. So I'm, I'm really excited we got to do this. Yeah, and I'll tell you what she's up to right now. Well, she's got. She decided uh, several years ago that she'd stop writing the books. I mean, she's done so much in terms of her life experiences, et cetera, in these books. Yeah, she's now the owner of a bookstore down in Key West, and people actually take a pilgrimage down there to see her and meet her. Yeah, and her. And the other thing is that her all her uh, unpublished works, her letters, all these letters are uh, being stored at Yale University. Yeah. Um, so it's all there, all the artifacts, etc. So all good. Yeah. So that's, all right. that's about it. Okay, dude, I think it's time for two groaners. Do you have any? Oh, yeah, I got a couple here. Probably the Vincent Anthony Lauder Jr. are the one who provides us with our groaners. We're with a really good one. And here we go. What is a skeleton's favorite board game? What is a skeleton's favorite board game? Ooh. This is a this is still difficult. Yeah, I, I'm not going to get this one. I, I, it's not coming. Go. Tibial pursuit. Nice, very nice. Okay. And I knew a tibia were also, so I should have gotten that. Dang. No, that's okay. That's, thank that's, you, just a stretch. Okay, here's the other yeah. one. How does a board game like its eggs cooked? How does a board game like its eggs cooked? scrambled you got it a winner yeah Give that man a yeah call. okay <laughs> thank you for the bone you threw me <laughs> okay i'll later, later.